We're going to be in the second half of Luke chapter 18, part 2. And I love it, because it continues to give so much of the Lord, and to give so much of His grace, His mercy, His works. And there's an old song that we've all, or at least the majority of us have heard, and what a friend we have in Jesus. It was an older hymn, and... I don't know how old everyone is that listens, but uh, no matter how old you are, it should be a favorite of ours because we have a friend in Jesus because he is our best friend. He is our he is the best father. He is the best thing that's ever happened to us and the best thing that's ever happened to this world. And as we go through the word of God, we see that, especially through the gospels, through the recorded actions, through those closest with him. And, and it's amazing when you stop and you read the Word of God and when you really study it and when you really look into it and you think to yourself and you try to, you try to envision yourself right there to see His glory, to see His, his power, to see His grace and in the, in the things that are just unfathomable to the human mind. And what a, again, what a friend we do have in Jesus. He is the best friend that any of us could ever have. And I, I tell you, if it weren't for him at times, I don't know where I'd be. <laughs> and, and I know there's others out there that could attest to that. But the Lord, again, praise him for, for his placement of people in our lives, for the, for the placement of things that he's, he's put in our lives, and for the, um, for the things that he, he gives us in the uh, forms of, uh, of gifts and, and grace and mercies and so on and so forth. And we're going to see that today. We're going to see, again, these diverse teachings from, from uh, the recordings of the Apostle Luke in chapter 18 and part 2. And again, such richness comes from all these things. You know, we know that with God all things are possible. Because I've never heard in the, in the vocabulary of God the word impossible. Now, the only thing that is impossible with God is that He cannot sin. He cannot lie. He cannot learn. He knows all things. He is perfect. But impossible in his vocabulary? I don't think so. There is nothing impossible with God, and, and nor is it in his vocabulary, which is the neat thing about the Lord. And you know, it's amazing. We saw that through the works of Christ. What we see as impossible, he made possible. And I, I love quoting the, uh, the wise preachers of the past. A lot of us have probably heard of, uh, I, I like to quote Charles Spurgeon, uh, that, that uh, well-known English preacher. Uh, but also, right around the same time of the 1800s, uh, during the time of Charles uh, Spurgeon in England, we had another uh, well-known preacher by the name of D.L. Moody here in the United States also, who was, uh, again, a very well-known, respected preacher of his day and i'm going to quote something he said very simple and very true it said he and i quote from dl moody let god have your life because he can do more with it than you can <laughs> and how true that is you know again i just love these guys you know they, they really they really knew the lord they really walked close with him uh, you know, and again, the, the blessings of the disciples giving us, the apostles giving us the word of God through the gospels, the good news, showing us exactly who he was. His words, you know, the, the things that we had seen. And, and I just, I've said it before, um, 
some of my studies in the past were just simple readings of only the words of Christ because I read from a New King James Version Bible and uh, mine has the red words of uh, the red letter edition if you will which are the words of Christ and those uh, there was a time where I felt led only to read his words I've read the Gospels, I've taught them, but I just wanted to hear his words. I just kind of read only the red letters. And I wanted to hear what he had to say. And i got to say, you know, give it, i got to give it to these guys for the way they put things. The way they were able to document the words and the actions of our Lord and Savior was a blessing to us all. And so, I, again, as we, we go through each chapter, I, I pray that, again, that you are being blessed. I've been blessed, again, not just to, just to study it, but to teach it, because it does so much for you. I, I pray that it goes beyond just, just a, good, a good read. I, I pray that it goes beyond just uh, a good thing to hear for, for a temporary fix. Uh, we again, I said before, we live in this aspirin age uh, that unfortunately we, we rely on on painkillers at times versus allowing the the infections to be removed, which is only through the the works of our Lord and Savior, which He can do. So I want to I want us to continue as we go into Luke chapter eighteen again, and this is the part two that we're going to be starting off in verse eighteen, and it says. It says, now a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, well, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Now, I've studied this passage, and I've even heard it taught numerous times. And it's always, it's always been such a powerful and eye-opening message from the Lord. But what got me was this young rich ruler. Here we have this important figure in the area and never had his name mentioned. Just simply used an example of what happens when wealth becomes your master. We don't know who this guy was. We see how the rich man referred to Jesus. He just said, as, you know, he referred to him as good teacher. Did he know who he was talking to? You know, by the title. Good teacher, as he was. He was the greatest of all. But he was beyond just that. You see, those closest to him would refer to him as Lord. And yes, he was called teacher by some close, but he was Lord to those who walked with him. And the rich young ruler claimed to have accomplished the following of the commandments, which is great. I've always said if all could follow the Ten Commandments, life would definitely be a, lot, a little bit better. I, I think if we followed the Ten Commandments in life, and, and uh, amongst other things in the Word of God, we wouldn't be seeing so much bad news on the, on the six o'clock news. <laughs> but, but they were commandments for us while they were here on earth. And the first five commandments were directed towards God. Those were the first ones that, that we had to follow that, that were directed strictly towards the relationship with God. And then the last four were directed towards others around you. 
But those last fives were not a means to salvation. You know, no, no one can engineer their own salvation. Did the young ruler never have to sacrifice for atonement, I wonder? You know, and if he did, then he, he may not have kept all the commandments. That's the question. If he had to sacrifice, because, you know, we look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 8, it reminds us that if, if we claim to be without sin, then we've deceived ourselves. And the Lord, the Lord always recognized those who asked for forgiveness over those who claim or brag about how good they are. Uh, see, the Lord, he, he hid his weakness. He called out his weakness. The thing that was most important, right? <laughs> Selling everything. Selling everything you have. And what would that have done? That would have removed his power, his prestige, his security. It would have removed his identity as a ruler. But, he, you know, he didn't realize that Christ offered a better security, a better identity than the temporary one he had in the land. Many in their minds, you know, they think that the Lord says to get rid of all you have. And that's not the case. But it's good to rid of, of things that keep us from God. See, notice how the Lord said, sell what you have and give it to the poor. He didn't say, give it to me or one of the disciples to put in the bag for the ministry. Give it to the poor and then follow me. The, the Lord had no issue with the fact that, that the rich young ruler had riches. He had an issue that the riches had the young ruler. Which can lead to the breaking of the commandment of, of not coveting. <laughs> you shall not covet. And a large majority of people who have obtained wealth have blatantly admitted, admitted to wanting more. And that is the problem with people who have obtained wealth. Because once they've obtained it, they want to they get more and more. And that becomes this, the breaking of the commandment of coveting. It's, it's a form of coveting. Whether we like it or not, it really is. But in the other Gospels, it said that after Jesus said to him... In the other Gospels, that what had happened was, is right after he said this, it, it recorded that he actually turned and he walked away sorrowfully. And, and he walked away with his head down. And I've learned that if, if you want to see someone's true colors, you know, take money from them or keep it from them, and, and you'll see their true colors sometimes. And we see the Lord, as I've said before, he is a Lord of invitation. And he gave, he gave him an, a place in his ministry. But he chose what he had instead, his wealth, which could unfortunately be gone tomorrow. Now, let's see what happens in verse uh, 24 through 30, what the Lord has to say here. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter in the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, and then who can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And then Peter said, see, we have left all and followed you. So he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life you know the Lord said it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than uh, for a rich man to enter in the kingdom again not impossible 
But the belief then was if you were a rich man, then it was a sign of God's blessings. That's, that was the uh, belief within the culture of that time, especially within the Pharisaical movement. The Pharisees believed that if you were, if you were wealthy, then that was uh, you were in God's graces and you were in his, you were in his favor. And with some people, that very well could be because, again, God knows a good steward when he sees one. But he also is going to keep somebody from something that's going to destroy them because God does allow some with the blessings of wealth as he gives to who he entrusts as the steward. See, the thing is, is he knows us better than we, we know ourselves, which is why some have it. And the reason being is because while some uh, have had wealth, they were able to keep God number one in their lives. But what the Lord teaches is the dangers of the results of riches. Even the Apostle Paul reminds us later in 1 Timothy in chapter 6 that those who, uh, who, those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition, which means damnation. And, and for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And that was in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And you see, salvation was offered to all. To the rich, to the poor, the middle class. And the need for the Lord is needed within all people, classes, and situations in life. But the question is, is how much of a want is there for the Lord in the salvation that he offers? I, I like that, you know, Peter made the comment that we left all and followed you, he said. You know, they're, they're, they had their fishing business. Uh, Matthew was the tax collector. He, it was a high-paid but yet a hated position. Uh, Luke, the author of this gospel, the gospel was a physician. He was a doctor. So yes, they, they left their comfort zone. But they became the first-hand examples of the ones who seek first the kingdom of God and then everything else that follows. They were the first ones to experience that. Now, during this time, they were still in the early stages of ministry. And we're probably thinking, what have I gotten myself into? That was most likely the, the thoughts during time, you know, because Peter's remark can be looked at in that fashion. But again, it was Peter that told the Lord, he flat, he flat out told the Lord, where, where else are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life when a large amount of people walked away from Jesus. Because they realized later on that the Lord was true in his promise. Read Peter's two epistles and see everything he said. You know, he was one of the most excited spokesmen of the Lord's blessings and promises later on in life as he experienced it. And whatever the Lord wants to give, whatever he wants to give out is fine by me. <laughs> you know, the first thought in some may be wealth, of course, but if it's, going to, if it's going to destroy you down the line, he will not allow it. And therefore, we should be thankful for it. He will have uh, many other things in store. If, if one lacks contentment, then, you know, he could fill the void. If it's a lack of spiritual peace, uh, maybe lack of integrity or wisdom, it could all be filled. And, and it may not be in the form of a worldly gift. And there, there might be some that are. But all I know is that the Lord blesses with abundance. But it's an exceeding joy to know that a loving Lord and Savior is pleased to have you on his side. 
You know, I myself am just overjoyed with what he has allowed me to do for him. And, and most of all, through him. And that's the difference maker was is that what he's allowed me to do for him. But I had to recognize that everything I do for him was, was only because it's being done through him, not on my own abilities. When he chose the 12 disciples, he didn't choose them because of their, because of their abilities. He chose them because of their availability. <laughs> the ability came within their training with the Lord and then the uh, giving of the Holy Spirit. And then the abilities came, but that came later. But again, it was about the availability, and that's what he's looking for. The ability will come through his blessings and gifts. And again... Not through my ability, I have none outside of him. And so, in, in verse 31 to 34, we're going to see a prediction here from our Lord. He says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. In the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This thing was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. You know, at this point, the Lord was preparing them for what was to happen. Uh, we had the Passover feast was about to come. Uh, so it was no surprise that they would be uh, in Jerusalem to the disciples at this time. They, they knew they were going to be in Jerusalem because of the feast. But they weren't sure about what was coming in the crucifixion. So why now be told? Now, there's that saying again that timing is everything. But the thing is, is that God's timing is perfect. And it's always on time. And is as well as everything else in life that he has to do with. If they knew from day one what was to happen to him, how would they be affected? Would they stay? Would they flee? You know, only the Lord knows. But see, he made known the fulfillment to come from the prophecies of the crucifixion. You know, we have Psalm uh, 41.9 in the betrayal. We can look at Psalm 22.16 and Isaiah 53.4 in the crucifixion. And then we have Psalm uh, chapter 16 verse 10 in the resurrection is just some of the most known or some of the most known and used out of over 300 prophecies recorded uh, uh, regarding Jesus Christ. And looking at the Old Testament, it, it did not explain in step by step detail of what was going to happen as of the horrific things that did happen. It only mentioned increments of things. But it was not put into detail until the event of the day of the crucifixion. Jesus, all he did was give them a little insight in the details of what was to come. But they didn't really grasp it all until they had seen him risen. Uh, the timing for all of this is perfect around the Passover, is it not, right? Because this happened, this Passover, this happened way back when during the time of Moses in, uh, in Egypt. Because Pharaoh... Who, who was deliberately challenging God, who, was in, who enslaved the Jews, he would not release the Jews from slavery. So God was going to send a death angel to kill every firstborn Egyptian male. That was the last of the plagues. God had been warning Pharaoh ten times. This was, this was the tenth time 
that Pharaoh was warned. Everything, everything happened. All these horrible things happened in the land of Egypt. You know, darkness over the land. The Nile River turned to blood and, and frogs inhabited the kingdom everywhere. All these crazy things were happening. And yet Pharaoh continued to, to, to fight. And so the last one was that, okay, that did it. A death angel is going to come and kill every firstborn male in the Egyptian kingdom. So the Jews were instructed to kill a lamb and take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost of every house of the, of, of the Jews in the area. And he said, when I see the blood over the doorpost, I will pass over you in the plague to come. And for the sacrifice of the Lord to come right around Passover was again perfect timing. Because every year they would celebrate uh, the Passover feast, which was uh, just one of seven ordained feasts in Israel that God uh, ordained to be celebrated. Because he was the lamb of that day on the cross. And for those who have received him are like the ones who had the blood on the doorpost back in, uh, in Egypt. <laughs> death, will, death will visit everyone. But eternal life will be to those who receive the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, and the death angel will pass over you as the Holy Spirit will enter and be with you. And by that comes salvation. By that comes the passing over of the death to come. That could happen. So during that time, this was right around the time of the Passover. And again, perfect timing. The, the, the Lamb of God, Christ Jesus, being crucified right close to that time of the, of the Passover celebration. But yet, I don't think, unfortunately, the people realized that. So praise God that we got to, <laughs> that we have the Bible to see the miraculous timing of God's hand. In, in verse 35 the 43, See, this is an amazing thing right here because, you know, we see the heart of the Lord. And the Lord knows what he's in for, but, you know, he just can't help himself but to help somebody in need. It says, then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. So again, being at the right uh, place at the right time was definitely this blind man's blessing. Really, what it was for him was divine appointment. Uh, this was the account uh, from Mark chapter 10. This guy's name was Bartimaeus. He was a man who was uh, blind from birth. And Bartimaeus, his name means the son, uh, son of the unclean one. Which this was an indication that he was born from what you would call a venereal blindness. Uh, sometimes like a, uh, what would be called a gonorrheal blindness. And it was common when someone was, oh, I guess, unfaithful, if you will. <laughs> the mother would be infected with the disease. 
And again, gonorrhea typically was as um, was the was the disease. Which what happened was is when the child would pass through the birth canal, the infection gets into the eyes of the of the baby, causing blindness within days of birth. So that's possibly what may have happened to Bartimaeus, as he was named son of the unclean one. In in Mark's gospel, what it said was is he was wearing a coat. Uh, it was a beggar's coat. And, and for those who were blind, they would actually uh, be marked. Uh, there would be a special marking on him so the public knew that he was blind. And when Jesus called for him, it said in Mark's gospel, when Jesus called for him, that Bartimaeus threw his coat completely off, right? He, he ripped it off and threw it to the ground. And why did he do that? He, he did it knowing that I, I'm not going to need this anymore in great faith because of who he was there. See, Bartimaeus had never seen before. But yet he knew who Jesus was. Yelling out, Son of David, have mercy on me. As the blind man knew that by that title, he was referring to Jesus as the Messiah. And what was neat to see was that of acknowledgement. Here the Lord Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem. And knowing that his time of crucifixion was near, he couldn't help but to stop and heal another in need. But the Lord knew what he needed. And the blind man knew he was the Messiah. He knew that over the religious leaders who could not see, even in plain sight, that he was the Messiah. Uh, The other recognition that the blind man Bartimaeus had made known was that he called Jesus Lord. See, he wasn't just his Savior, but he was his Lord and his Savior. His healing was connected to his faith. Because there there are doctors out there with with prestigious reputations. People always say, well, if doctor so-and-so operates on me, I'll be fine. And yet even those who who were great at what they did, they had to at one point go out into the waiting room and tell the family members that I'm sorry, I could not save them. See, Bartimaeus knew that he would be made whole because the worker of miracles was now in his presence. And I have to say that the blind man's first vision in his life was the most beautiful image ever seen. The first image of his, in his life, it was the Lord Jesus standing in front of him. And we may have 20-20 vision, but are as blind as Bartimaeus was in a spiritual outlook... You know, as we get older, our our vision might decline, but my spiritual vision in things of the Lord are becoming clearer. I'm no longer seeing what I want to see or hearing what I want to hear. But only through his eyes and through his voice, all is becoming clear in my vision and my hearing. You know, calling out to Jesus like Bartimaeus did is a good thing. Because he will come in... When called in truth, and when we cry out to him, and let me remind of something uh, vital, very vital to us that we forget. If life is going great, hey, cry out to him anyway, because you will need him and should want him. Again, one more thing that I've always made known is, is that everybody needs the Lord. Don't matter your your situation, how rich or poor you are, how well you are in health or how bad you are in health. We all need him just the same. 
But how much of a want is there for the Lord? How much of a want do we want of Him? And I'm not talking about, well, if I receive the Lord, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to receive the wealth. I'm going to have all these things, you know, and all these. We, we have these expectations at times that, that may not come to us. And when we don't get those things from our expectations, then we walk away. I say receive the Lord just because you got somebody who loves you and will never leave you or forsake you. What more could you ever want? And on top of that, he's going to give you eternal life. And second, while we're here on earth, he's got you covered. Whatever it is you need, he's got you covered. He's watching over us. I have a little four-year-old. <laughs> he doesn't know how to read yet. But I've taught him how to pray. And I've taught him about Jesus as much as possible. And he asks about Jesus a lot. He says, where is Jesus? I don't see him. He's in heaven. Where is heaven? But then he says the most important thing I've ever heard him say is, I love Jesus. And I've seen in the previous chapter about how Jesus took a child into his arms and said, to be like one of these is what it takes in order to enter the kingdom. My little four-year-old says, I love Jesus. And so... I don't care if you're four years old. I don't care if you're 84 years old. I say, let's, let's receive him. Let us be like a child, as he said. It was, it was probably one of the most important things that I got to hear him say. And I just know. I know the Lord smiled when he heard that. And guess what? He's going to smile. Very much so, as well as all of heaven, if you receive Him too. If you want to receive Him as your Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior, if you want Him to be your Father, He wants you to be His son or daughter, guaranteed. I have a very simple way to receive Him, and it's, it's a spiritual adoption that will never leave you. He will never leave See, it's us that walk away from Him. He doesn't walk away from us. He will never leave you. And if you want that, and remember, wanting it over needing it, <laughs> we all need it. But if you want it, then by all means may you receive it by saying this prayer with me. Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins. As Lord, I confess to you that I am a sinner. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for dying for my sins. Receive me, Lord, into your kingdom when my time is up. And Lord, as I receive you into my heart, Lord, as my Lord and my Savior, as my Father, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you will cleanse me of my sins, Lord. And may I always walk with you for all of the days of my life. And may I stay close to you always, Father, as you will be close to me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, what a blessing as always it is to, to know that we have a Father that, that just loves us so much and cares for us.
So I pray that we'll also, uh, you know, show him a little love in return. Because he's, again, he's watching over us at all times. And we want to hold his hand tight. So may we continue to, to grow in him and allow him to be Lord and Savior. May God bless you.